0: You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop. Serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk.
1: Well, at the top of the programme, you heard me sharing how Derek Springer is a man who has literally travelled the world in sharing the gospel, and he's travelled it physically and in in person, but he's also travelled it uh, over the airwaves uh, in many, many different ways. But before we talk about all that, Derek, let's turn the clock way, way back to the the very early years and your, your childhood, you know, uh, what was life like
0: for you? Did, were you brought up in a, in a Christian background? No, not at all. I was brought up in, in a home without any interest in Christian things at all. Uh, but when I was seven years old, my father suggested rather strongly that I should go to a Sunday school, which was held in an, an afternoon in a church quite near where we were living there in Enfield in North London, as it now is. I realised a little bit later on the reason why he wanted me to go was because it would give him some opportunity to get some sleep on that <laughs> (laughs) afternoon Uh, i went along and uh, kind of stuck there for a while and then because of the the youth work and the the sports program and other things that they had continued through the early teen years and when i was about 18 the message started to make sense to me and that was when i became a christian when i was 18 years old and uh, that was quite a long time ago now Uh, but that's how it all began from that point well Different, very different time, of course, you
1: know. I guess mm. if, if you compare it to, to now, in different values and so on. Certainly, whenever I went to Sunday school, there were 500 young people. I was obviously mm. in Ireland, you know, but uh, 500 in our Sunday school and uh, but of course nowadays you sadly that's not the case at least in the
0: United Kingdom yes certainly is the case in lots of other places that I've been to apart from being in lockdown now when I've gone nowhere really but uh, (laughs) yes things are very very different in lots of other places and Sunday school of course in America where I've been preaching online quite recently includes adults too adults not just kids would end up going to a Sunday school a passion for studying, studying
1: studying the Bible and learning more, uh, I guess, over there is greater uh, than here because of simply the, st- the structure of, of the churches over there.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. So, what was the the 18 year old Derek Stringer like? Um, I suppose I was really just wondering about the purpose in life, like you do at that kind of age, and the way to actually go uh, with things. Uh, listening to Christianity, it started by not an experience, but by just checking out the truth of it. I read books like C.S. Lewis's book Mere Christianity, which was really helpful to make further sense of what Christianity was all about. And I guess really through the influence of guys about my age and asking questions and being inquisitive, that's when it began to come together for me then. I was involved in learning things connected with science and engineering and electronics and things like that, becoming a Christian, I began to think, well, maybe there are opportunities to, to do this and preach about Christ in other ways. I, I joined a group, which was a folk group at that time, and they needed somebody to communicate in between the songs and in other ways, and that tended to be me, and that was the start basically, of that. I then went and I I studied further and kept on studying all the way through over the the next few years and and then went into ministry from that point on, which was mainly going into various schools and universities and teaching and preaching in those situations. And then later on, it began to widen into pastoral ministry as well, but always without let's of being able to to preach and teach. And I found, and I don't know how it happened, I was getting invites from around the world to be able to preach and teach. And so I would take up those opportunities too. That's fantastic. So so really right from those early days you you become very much an international man. Uh, Amazingly so, yes. As I say, I've no idea how that really happened, but it did and the opportunities kept coming. Uh, I was 23 years old when I began in Christian ministry and I had a diary which went three to four years in advance. Uh, I couldn't take another meeting for three or four years uh, which sounds ridiculous, but it did mean that I could be a bit more reasonable about what I was doing where I was going so I wasn't going to be say in Europe one day in America the next day that kind of thing I could work things through a bit more easily that way and in terms of your family then I mean obviously all of this was happening to you
1: you obviously come to faith and so Mm -hmm. on the dad who had sent you along to Sunday school
0: was there a change there um my i met my wife at the church which was a, a nice thing romance we blossomed <laughs> <laughs> i've also had the joy of seeing all of my family come to christ as well i had an older sister and she was also sent to sunday school she left when she was 12 we reconnected and and had the joy of seeing her and her husband and all the family come to christ my mother was the last one in the family when I was pastoring in Salford we had moved her to be nearer to us at that time and I baptised her as a believer when she was 81 years old (laughs) I think there were on that occasion uh, 17 or 18 that we were baptising that evening and she was very definitely the oldest registered now blind able to see partially sighted but registered that way and uh, when she got into the water, I just found myself saying, "Mum, I have waited for this for a long time, and it was a joy to see what God did with my family." What an amazing occasion that must have mm. been! And uh, rejoicing in heaven, but most certainly
1: rejoicing on earth. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's mm. have your first piece of music. I mean, obviously, you've chosen all of the music for for today's program, and uh, but your first one uh, is uh, "Christ in Me." Why,
0: why that one, Derek? The biggest lesson I think I have learned in my Christian life is that Christianity isn't easy and it isn't difficult, it is impossible. And that if we try to live the Christian life, we are going to end up being so frustrated. And I think that what I learned in those first years of being a Christian was I'd only believed half the gospel. I would believed that Jesus had died for me and that I was now forgiven and reconciled and could be in touch with God. But I hadn't realized fully the other half, that it's not just the saving death of Christ, it's a saving life of christ that he comes by the spirit to come and live in us to live the christian life through us so it's not what i do for god but what he does in and through me somebody i don't know who said this years ago the christian life is not a changed life It's an exchange life, and that was something that I learned at that time. The Christian life isn't, to the best of my ability, try and do what I can do. Forgiveness is amazing, of course, and that God gives us that forgiveness, but that's a means to the end, and the end is him living in me. And that really changed everything, because when I was talking to people uh, previously, if they'd said to me things like, oh, I'm such an impassioner, Patient person, and I need to be more this and more that, then I would have tried to have talked in terms of techniques and ways of doing things to help us. Now that changed. I remember a young couple coming to see me and saying, We're very impatient with our children and we pray to be more patient, but it doesn't seem to work. And I said, Well, where do you read in the Bible that you should pray for patience? Well, they said, surely if we need patience, we should pray for it. But you see, a Christian has Jesus in them who is love, joy, peace, patience. Jesus didn't have any strong points because he didn't have any weak points, and he was completely balanced in his character. It's a matter of saying, Jesus, you live in me. You are patient. Be patient through me and thank him as you reckon upon him that he will be just that. And I think it was a couple of weeks later they made contact with me and they said, it works, you know. And I said, no, it doesn't. And they got the point. It's not it. It's him. Christian virtues are transferred virtues. They are byproducts of what he is and does through me. That's been radical for me in my early Christian life and I've seen through the years just how radical that is for other people when they realize the whole gospel the saving death and the saving life of Christ is such a key thing so it's no longer my ability but my availability to all that he wants to be and all that he wants to do through me so it's Christ in me.
1: Oh well that's a, a, a great song uh, there uh, Christ in Me Lou Fellingham and of course uh, you heard Derek doing that wonderful introduction there now you talked about lessons learned and obviously you've you've had a few years to learn those lessons but in the very early days there you were a young man starting out a ministry and I mean you talked there at great length about it not being so much our responsibility but uh, our response to his ability, in, in, in a sense, letting the power of God flow through us. How did you learn
0: those lessons in the early days? I think it was mainly because I had an invite to go to Cape and Ray Bible School to teach there. And one of the emphases of the Torchbearer Bible Schools, there are about 60 of them around the world, is just that because Major Ian Thomas, who was behind all of that, it changed his ministry in realizing what is called the saving life of Christ. He wrote a little book which has become a classic on that i think that was very much the key thing that changed everything so i began to live by the principle i can't he can i can't live this christian life christ can in and through me of course, it's very hard to let go, isn't it? As, as mm. human beings,
1: we're always getting in the way. I mean, wh- one of the other things, of course, is I guess that we can—and this may sound a bit strange—but I hope you, you understand what I mean here. But you know, we can be so busy bi- praying and 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 even reading the Bible and doing mm. Christian stuff that actually what we're
0: not doing is just sitting. In his presence, you know. Being still. Being still. Knowing God. Absolutely. That verse in the Psalms about being still uh, is a Hebrew word which means have leisure and know that I am God. In other words, just sit and think. I mean, Christianity is about. A form of meditation but not an empty meditation is attention with intention, attention to the word of God with the intention of being a doer of that word and as we are still before him, God's a talkative God and has got things to actually say to us and that's the joy of it, every time we open a Bible we're opening a miracle with God communicating himself to us.
1: And I suppose that that also means that all Christians are very strategic in the world because here we are just having gone through probably the the worst challenge that many of us uh, have seen with the pandemic and so on many lives lost and so on um and i and i guess if ever there was a time where we need to be people of hope people Mm. of purpose you know those of us who are believers it, it has to be right now Derry, doesn't it
0: I think a witness as well is one-on-one always, and lockdown hasn't particularly helped that, and yet it's opened up things in other ways for people to be able to communicate. Uh, When lockdown began, I think it was on a Thursday, suddenly we were told, stay at home, you can't go anywhere first place I was meant to be going that weekend was to speak at a pastor's commissioning service down in Dawlish in Devon and of course that wasn't now going to happen so they made contact with me and said would I record a video for them now I've always had people around about me who were technical (laughs) and they do it for me yes and so it was a real learning curve and then another church said the same thing well you can't come this week but would you send something and then a seminary said the same thing I have ended up with more than 200 churches on five continents and recording for them all and I just live in Christchurch I don't go anywhere but I can record and send those messages and in some cases now particularly in America where they're quite used to having live worship and then they will go to a big screen and they will watch the preaching and teacher there I think this is going to continue for me for quite a Number of months, God willing, into the future as well. It's just been a learning curve, I think, for us all, one-on-one in that way. And of of course, you know, many, many people have been
1: watching the dreaded Zoom and the YouTube Mm. channels and and so on. And as as you quite rightly say, it has opened up new avenues, new platforms. Mm. And I guess maybe people are are realising that what technology actually can do. Mm. And of course, we're, we're still in very early
0: stages because technology is developing a, quite a pace all the time. Mm. Radio, radio goes to places we can't go was a, a little formula we had in Good News Broadcasting Association that I was the director of for a de- decade. We have programs going to well over 100 countries from one minute through to 60 minutes. And you were ending up going to places where physically you couldn't go. Now, we were talking about the
1: early lessons. Did, did you do any theological training yourself in the early days? I mean, you, t- you said about going to Kibbenry to teach. Mm-hmm. But were you, were you self-taught? I mean, how did you develop your, your, your theological understanding, which, of course, is quite, quite strong?
0: Quite I, I became a, a student. I went to various places, and I ended up with a, a doctorate in theology. Fantastic, which helps me enormously, of course, because I'm still in my retirement, have the opportunity to teach in seminaries. (laughs) But of course, it all started for you
1: very young, you know, in in Mm. your 20s. Now, I I know that some people may despise youth, uh, Mm. but you don't seem to be a man who does, because obviously you started uh,
0: as as a young man and were clearly reaching people all over the world in your early 20s. I think I'm just very grateful to be able to respond to the initiatives and to the open doors that God has given in that way, which have come in a variety of surprising ways as they continue to do so now. If you look back, and again, I'm asking you to do a a big thing here, but looking back to those early days, what what were
1: the things that encouraged you most? And maybe one or two of the things that perhaps had the opposite effect that, that didn't encourage you so much.
0: I think one of the main things that encouraged me was other people of my age who were really wanting to receive from god 's Word and open to it probably because I was around their age, they would listen to me perhaps in a different way to listening to me now at my grand age that I am now. Well, just 21 plus, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and difficulties, Derek? Um, I suppose one of the main difficulties was the uh, uh, when I first began, there was a need to really be praying in finances and other things to be able to survive and to exist because I was very much on my own in that way as an itinerant in those early days. And so every week we were praying, my wife and I, that we would be able to survive. We'd have the money coming in to be able to do that, because there was no way in which I was going to ask anybody for anything. I wasn't going to charge for services rendered or anything else like that. Uh, and, uh, And we discovered that God could meet our needs in that way, sometimes in some interesting ways. I remember being in one place speaking at a church and a number of youth events in Suffolk and We'd had a a number of gifts surprisingly coming in the week or two before this. And my wife and I said, I don't know why this is happening. We don't actually need this amount of money coming in. Then we realized that we did because our our car got, uh, uh, got hit by another car when it was stationary. And we needed that in order to sort out transport for the future and things like that. So... Sometimes the difficulties work for you in that positive way too. And of course,
1: the one thing that all of that would have done would have been to build a strong faith for, for both you and your wife, because God was not only opening doors, but he was providing for you. And I guess on any platform that you would stand and say, God can't provide, you were speaking from a heart that knew that, an experience uh, that was that have been your own?
0: We look back to those times and we realise it kept us very alive spiritually. Uh, It made our prayer life something very important. People say for example in trials there are a couple of ways you can react within your trials. You can let them make you bitter or you can let them make you better and I think the same thing is true of any difficulties or any pressures upon our lives. It's how we are going to react to those circumstances and certainly look Looking back and thanking God for the way in which we saw him meeting needs has helped enormously. Well, let's go to your next piece of music. I'll let you uh, introduce Jason. This is a, a different one because it's Psalm 55. It's actually reciting and singing this. Jason Silver is the person who is doing it. One of the key things which I was told as a young Christian was, Derek, read the Bible through in a year. And if you read between three to five chapters every day, you will achieve it. And I have always done that since. And When I got to the Psalms, I realized that a lot of these Psalms are incredibly honest in the way in which the Psalmist is praying, basically, in this song. In fact, two-thirds of them, I discovered, were very, very honest. And Psalm 55 is just that, where the Psalmist is saying, I don't understand this, and I don't understand that in my life. But he gets to that point of reality before God. And it struck me back then that it's very, very easy in reading the Bible and in praying to get into unreality because we're not as honest as the psalmist was. And because God only moves in reality, if we start moving in unreality, then we miss it with God. And so we have to be honest and straightforward. There are two verses that come out which have meant a lot to me through the years. One is verse 16 of Psalm 55, I call to God and the Lord saves me. And the reason why that has registered for me many years since I first heard that was because of an event in Exeter a number of missionaries had been caught up in a civil war in Africa and they've managed to escape and they've been saved and delivered back to England and there was going to be this big testimony meeting of about a dozen missionaries thanking God for the fact that they called to God and the Lord saved them now i was to be the speaker at the end of this and i knew that as people were listening to this, a lot of those people there, possibly about five or six hundred people listening to these wonderful testimonies, but they were thinking, but what about those who didn't get out? What about that physician, a woman who was raped? What about that child who was killed? What about this? What about that? And then the missionary who spoke, a medical missionary, just before I was to give a short address, changed the atmosphere completely for everybody. Because I still to this day remember how he put it. He said, yes, we have spoken about calling upon God and the Lord saving us. And that is what he has done for us. Because the Lord saved us to England, but he saved others to heaven. But either way, he didn't miss one of us. And that changed the whole atmosphere on that occasion. And there's just one other verse, if I may add it, uh, to that. And that's verse 22 that comes out in this psalm. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. That's been a key verse for me personally because my Two girls were quite young. I think my eldest daughter, Tracy, was about six at the time. I'd been away on ministry, and I got back home. And as I opened our front door, they were playing near the entrance. And my daughter, and she can still all these years later remember this, she said to me, Daddy, what have you got in your hands? And I said, well, it's a parcel, a present for Mummy." She said, well, Mummy's upstairs. Can I carry it to her? And I said, Tracy, I think this is a little bit too heavy for you. Don't you think I ought to carry it? And I always remember what she said. Daddy, I'll carry the parcel. You carry me. (laughs) And I thought, doesn't that just sum up that 22nd verse of Psalm 55? Cast your cares on the Lord. And he doesn't carry them. He sustains you. He carries you as you carry that burden. That's why that verse is also key for me. Give ear to my prayer, O God, do not hide
1: yourself. 90.1 90.1 Hope FM
0: and HopeFM.com
1: Well, my very special guest today is is, is Dr. Stringer. I don't think I've called you Dr. yet, but I have to give what you... What a
0: right Derek uh, will do. Uh, yeah,
1: Dr. <laughs> Dr. Derek Stringer, who's, who is an accomplished Bible teacher all over the world and also an accomplished author. But we'll talk a wee bit about your writing a wee bit later on. But let's talk a little bit, Derek, about the way Christians are Births, you know. I, I know mm-hmm. that for some people, uh, you know, and certainly people that I've I've interviewed over the years, they they maybe talk to me about religion and and about you know uh, faith and so on. But I don't think I've ever done uh, much in the way of what what is a good birth. In other words, the Bible talks, that it has this turn to be born again. Mm-hmm. But but what does that really mean? And, and and what would be a good if you were advising me, for example, and, and I was becoming a Christian, I was beginning my journey, what are the sorts of
0: things, the sort of guidance that you'd be giving to me, and what should I be doing? I think the key is understanding the irreducible minimum of what the gospel is about and I think you're quite right there are issues over that which is why a lot of people who will call themselves Christians and then say but it's not really working or they will get into different situations and they will look for other solutions to their need rather than to Christ because they haven't started well they haven't really understood how to begin the Christian life sometimes I think of it like this Sometimes you might uh, button up a shirt that you get the first button wrong, and that means that everything else everything's displaced yeah. exactly after that. And I think that that has been the problem in a lot of different situations. People have got the first stage, the essence, the irreducible minimum wrong. The irreducible minimum includes repentance. It includes the lordship of Christ. Having begun the Christian life, as Paul said to the Colossian church, you believe Christ Jesus as Lord. And a lot of people believe in Jesus as saviour, but not really acknowledging him as Lord. Way back when I was, I think, about 24 years old, I got invited to do some television programmes for ITM. And they were basically Christian comment programs, and one was about Jesus Christ Superstar. And I think within the church, there is still the belief in Jesus Christ as a superstar rather than as the Lord over my life. So we we want to become a Christian to make us happy, to give us purpose and meaning for our lives, to give us a nice feeling about our life. But there's not that repentance. Jesus began his ministry by talking about repentance. You look into the Acts of the Apostles and you see the preaching of the Apostles and the disciples of Christ there. And it begins with repentance as well as acknowledging Jesus as the Savior. And with that missing, there isn't that kind of openness to the Lord for what he will do in the future, because we're not really sold out to him in the way in which we need to be. I think if we get that right and that people begin right by understanding that essence of christianity then it's going to develop and it's going to grow why, why do you think that so many of
1: us are badly birthed in, in in a sense i mean i know that we grow in our understanding of christ and of course we have the holy spirit which we're going to talk about uh, a wee bit mm. a wee bit later on but but clearly people bring baggage from what's gone before in their lives mm. the influences on them uh, into the early days of their of their uh, of their faith journey uh, uh, and so on but, but I guess there's maybe not enough help at that
0: birthing stage, what would you say? I think in recent years, a lot of the preaching and the teaching has reflected the f- atmosphere and culture of the world around about us. We are looking for happiness, we're looking for security, we're looking for stability, looking for, as we've said, a purpose for our lives. That's happening generally within society. There are seminars, there are courses, there are all sorts of things communicating at that level. There's the influence of other religions which focus very much upon losing oneself in the universal spirit sense of yoga, for example and other aspects like that, all of that has had an influence upon the church and the way in which we communicate in the church. So we're talking about those things rather than getting down to the Real issues. Now, that's not always been the case. When you look at, say, church situations now, we talk about experiencing the comfort of God, and that's appropriate and right. We experience his guidance and leading, and that's appropriate and right for us as well. But if you look back, then you will see that churches used to talk about facing trials, facing suffering, not somehow getting away from it all, so that when those things actually hit, they were prepared for it. I think of it in terms of like a a boxer. The boxer who gets into the ring and gets hit doesn't say, what are you doing that to me? Why is that happening? You're in the ring. That is going to happen because you're in the ring. And somehow we've got ourselves involved in situations where we're thinking, well, I shouldn't be hurt like that. I shouldn't have that difficulty. I shouldn't have that pressure upon my life as well. In fact, we're looking for all those things which are going to be part of a new earth and a new heaven when we're with the Lord in glory. And we get tasters of that in the here and now, but we don't get that completely in the here and now. And because we think that we should, because that's what we're being told, when the struggles come, we don't know how to handle those situations, we need to get back to what the essence of Christianity is, and it's the gospel of Christ Jesus as Lord. So there's
1: almost that coming to the end of yourself, that re- mm. recognition that the word, of course, is, is sin, disobedience, mm. falling falling short of God's standards, and, and but of course, some people, and I'm sure you've heard them say this to you many times over the years. They go, well, "I'm, I'm just too bad. I'm, you know, I, there's no possible way that you know that I could, you know." Or I'm not a very good Christian, you know that mm. sort of thing when of course uh, if you say I'm not a very good Christian, it sort of undermines the work that, that Jesus has a, has done mm. the completed work of the of the cross but but maybe maybe people feel well there's some attribute to being humble mm. and you know i'm never I'm never going to make it, I'm not such a good person and everybody else. I guess that sort of language needs to be learned, but also that sense that we desperately need God mm. um Every day, uh, you, know, you know, to, to not only to, to get us through, but actually to guide us and to guide us to that life abundant, full,
0: overflowing—the very best, of course—that uh, He has in store. I for wish us. a few more people would have that basic honesty of saying, "I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough," or whatever. I think many people have settled for what they've actually got. I pastored a church in Rugby for nine years, and there's a very famous school there, and I was invited to go and speak in that school on one occasion only once and only for nine minutes precisely for the founders event that they were having and I was told in the rehearsal for all that we were going to do that we would uh, need to stand in certain places do certain things and so on and then they told me about the traditions that schools like this have and one tradition was measuring the boys because it was boys not girls back then and measuring them at the beginning of the school term measuring them again at the end of the school term and putting it on their school report well that went well for years until one boy was measured at the beginning of the school term and he was five four five foot four inches and at the end he was five foot one inch but the matron was not at all put out by that she simply put down on the report settling down nicely (laughs) <laughs> and I think that there are a lot of people who get involved with church and they're settling down nicely into it and there isn't that sense of what have you wanting to do in my life now Lord what are you wanting to say what are you wanting to be about in my life. Now, when we look at the at the
1: culture I mean, obviously you you visit many, many countries, and it's different I mean here we are in the u k where we talked earlier on in the program about you know going to church and Sunday school tradition, certainly in my home country of northern Ireland, you know you'd have to sometimes queue up on a sunday to get a to get a seat uh mm. that wouldn't be the case sadly night. Everywhere, in some places still, uh, but but in ter- in terms of the 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 sort of the, the perceived nature of Christianity in the in the United Kingdom, it, it's it's I guess would you say that there are people out there who are perhaps looking for reality, mm. but not finding
0: it in what they're seeing in the established churches. Mm. And I think that's one of the reasons why there are newer churches that are, are, are popping up because of that. I don't think that's entirely the case because there are some more traditional churches that I know which are very much refreshing and alive and enthusiastic and growing in the things of god and i think when we kind of think about what's happening in our own country church wise we need to put that into the wider perspective globally there are more people becoming christians now than ever in the past we tend to assess things from what we are experiencing here if it hadn't been for lockdown i would have been spending a few weeks ago a couple of of weeks in Brazil, and the church there is just developing and growing in an incredible way with a lot of young people as well as older people really committed to the things of the Lord. I would be in South Africa, and there is a church there where the police will not go except in groups, but there is a church there. And I was invited to go and speak at a conference, a Saturday conference for that church. And it's a place where you can imagine some of the violence and the drugs and all the rest of it. But many of the leaders within that church... Are converted from that background and alive spiritually and communities are changing they're becoming salt and light within that very very difficult community. Those things are happening in a lot of places and we can sometimes just get a perspective of what's happening around us and not realise that.
1: Yeah I mean I think absolutely you're right I mean clearly even in the United Kingdom there are those bright mm. spots and things that are happening mm. uh, but I don't know whether you're like me I get really indignant you know when when I hear and I go round some churches to to speak myself and uh and they're dwindling congregations, they're mainly uh, right. uh, uh older folk I'm getting a bit gray haired myself of course, as mm-hmm. we all are but but it makes me indignant that 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 they should be thinking of closing churches. Mm. And in fact, very much that is on the agenda of so many small local churches. And I think to myself, oh, Lord, <laughs> yes. there's something not right
0: here. Uh, does it make you feel the same way? There are other churches which are now developing and taking over some of those smaller churches. In fact, the the church where I became uh, a believer was in Enfield. And Through the years, it was quite remarkable when I was there with the number of young people who ended up being missionaries, pastors. They may have trained as uh, physicians and whatever, but they ended up being missionaries and, and went out widely. And then it went through a bit of a slough. But they've come to a point where they realize they need to be associated with another church. And there's a church in Loughton in Essex, which is now linking in and have sent people to them to help them to develop and to grow. And that is something which is happening in quite a few communities. And it's great to see the way in which churches which are large are not trying to just hold on to everybody, but seeking to Widen things and to open doors for further ministry in that way in, in areas where the church would disappear if there wasn't that happening. I think when we think in terms of church and church growth and so on, it, I always think in terms of when I was in Salford, I had my commissioning service for this particular church. And I know I shocked the congregation when I said to them in the few minutes that I had to communicate, I'm going to make you a promise. I promise you I will not try to build this church. And I knew what people were thinking. Well, isn't that the job of a pastor to actually grow the church? And then I quoted the words of Jesus, I will build my church. It's not my job to build a church. My job is to seek first his kingdom, to acknowledge him in all of my ways, to let him be about in and through me everything that he wants to be about. And he'll take care of his church. And that's such a relief if you're involved in churches to know it's not our responsibility, it's his responsibility in that way. And that we just draw a circle, step inside that circle and say Lord be real to me individually. Let your kingdom be established in my life as an individual. Then we will see what God will do with others around about us in order to develop and grow that church. And of course you said that right at the beginning of Mm. the program really about discovering
1: and knowing that the whole of the Christian life is about uh, knowing that it's all about him Mm. Uh, and actually our response uh, mm. to him and his his direction it brings us very nicely to your next piece of music mm-hmm. because we we know that through it all thick and thin that his eye is on the sparrow why this one
0: this one is very much a traditional one although i've chosen uh, Keith and Christine Getty who are modern worship leaders and and composers of some great music currently but I thought this one would be a key one because one of the things which I'm finding among a lot of younger people as well as older people is worry. And certainly the pandemic hasn't helped issues of worry. I was talking to a physician quite recently and she said, Do you know, the age at which... I am being presented with people who have got stress issues and depressions is getting younger and younger. Worry is really a major problem. And sometimes, of course, we can worry about what we're going to worry about when the time comes to worry about it. And that just exacerbates the issue all the more. And it's fascinating to me that among many things that Jesus said about worry, he made one key statement on how we can cope and get the answer to all of that when he said, Our Heavenly Father knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. How much more does he care for you? In 1905, I think it was Sevilla Martin who wrote this particular song She was bedridden for 20 years and she would look out of a window and she would see a bird falling to the ground. I happen to know that when Jesus said about a bird falling to the ground, the word literally is hopping to the ground. I used to have the idea of a bird sitting on a branch of a tree having a heart attack and thud (laughs) falling to the ground and that Lord knew about its death, but that's not the case. I could look out of a window now as I am just doing here in the studio and I've seen a bird hop from a branch I assume down to the ground and that's the word there and God knows us and cares about us much more than even the birds so if we worry we do not trust but if we trust we do not worry and knowing That he has his eye upon that bird and much more upon us is really a key to those worries. Listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk.
1: Well, Dr. Derek Stringer is my very special guest today and we've been touching all those things about the importance of the basic things of Christianity, about being properly birthed. But uh, I was talking to Derek off mic about my recent one of my recent cruises. I was cruising up to Scotland, uh, speaking on the cruise ship actually, but talking to the passengers about the ports that they would visit. But the ship sailed past the Isle. Oh, Lewis. and uh, Derek, I had read about the wonderful things that God did mm. on that island, you know, and uh, and I was find myself praying as the ship was sailing past, you know, God, do it again. It's mm. just that sometimes, of course, that God just simply turns up, doesn't he, and and uh, and has done this. Over the years, in a number of different places, you know, sometimes in a local church, and sometimes, in fact, even with an individual, you know, in, in a sense. But um, but I, I as I look at the state of our nation, I, I've often thought, God, we, we 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 need you once again to to, to come close, you know, to to mm-hmm. to help us to to understand a that you love us with a passion, and, and then b that we desperately need you, you know. Um,
0: what's your taken? in all of that yes revival of course is something which we really need and many of us have been praying for and sometimes people pray for years and they never actually see the end results when you talk about the Lewis revival We know that there were some elderly ladies who were praying for this, and they never really saw that. But it did happen. Their prayers were not wasted and not unanswered. God's timing was just different for them. There are different places around the world where there are some quite remarkable revival. Well, you mentioned Brazil Argentina of course. Certain things are just developing and growing. It's under the sovereign hand of God, isn't it? We can't manipulate this as you say. We can't make those things happen because then that will be of the flesh rather than of the spirit. We simply have to be open to the Lord and say, Lord, you do this. Please would you step in in this particular way and make a difference? God did that in again off mic. We were saying in Wales, 1905, 1905 time, and those very areas now, not much is going on. It's interesting because the songs of praise a couple of weeks ago, mm. they they actually uh, took the program to one of those
1: little chapels. Yes, I think at the time of the of the revival, the little chapels were empty, mm. and then obviously uh, God used Evan Roberts and so many mm. folk to to draw close, and the chapels were suddenly full, and that wonderful hymn "Here Is Love," mm. uh, uh, be, you know, became. The Clarion Call. Mm. I would have loved to hear a Welsh choir bursting that out, you wouldn't you? But interestingly enough, the the program on Songs of Praise had been to one of those little churches that had been very much uh, involved in those early days. But Derrygate was full again mm. and vibrant, and it got, just pretty much going back to what you said there, it it, it was a new group of people, uh, young people. It was full and vibrant, and c- clearly a place where you'd want to go yes. uh, and worship God. And I thought, God, that's really fantastic. Mm. You know, if we could let's have more of that you know yes. across the united kingdom <laughs> yes. uh,
0: across the world it's it's down to god to do that isn't it we simply have to be available, as we've said, and open for what he wants to be about in those ways. I think also it, it's also having a hunger for it, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. and and I guess that when
1: I look at, as I know that you do, the, the real needs in people, you know, and uh, um, in hearing the suffering and, and stuff that mm-hmm. people are having to go through and knowing actually that God is the answer. Mm. for them you know uh, but of course this is something that we pray and maybe that's what we should be doing more of praying passionately for God in his mercy you know to pour out because we know at the heart of everything is a god of immense love yes uh, and then yet people would see him as a as a judgmental I mean he is a judge a judge as well but how do you, how do you best balance that 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 ju- heart of God, which is love,
0: mm. with,
1: of course, the judgment, which, which also will come upon us,
0: you know, if we don't repent. It's, it's defining and understanding what love is, isn't it? God is too loving to allow evil to go on forever. If he did, he wouldn't be loving. And he must, therefore, at some stage, step in and deal with those things and those injustices. And that's the quality of love that he has. But picking up on what you said earlier on about prayer, I am not so sure that churches are particularly praying for revival. And I think they should be. But I don't think that we actually are in quite the way. When we do gather together for prayer on Zoom in recent months, let alone when we could actually meet together for prayer, then I just wonder whether we pray big prayers, prayers of the kind that the Apostle Paul prayed. We often focus upon Mrs. So-and-so's arthritis, Mr. So-and-so's rheumatism. Nothing wrong with praying about things like that. But Paul seemed to focus on much bigger things than that. And when we have a Heavenly Father, a Sovereign Lord, praying the big prayer is going to the core of an issue. And I sometimes think that we don't necessarily do that. Uh, There was a great golfer called Arnold Palmer, And in the days when Saudi Arabia wanted to really get in to being a world leader in golf, he was invited to do some exhibitions there. And he was greeted at the hotel by one of the king's assistants who said, the king wants to give you a gift. What would you like? And he said, well, I am being paid a lot of money to come. Thank him, but I don't need a gift. And the assistant said, you don't understand. When our king says he wants to give a gift, you do not turn it down. So he said, Oh, okay, then. What about a golf club? That will do. The following morning, the aide came back with the deeds for a golf club. Because when you're talking about a king, then you can expect big. And we're talking about the king of kings. And therefore, we can expect big things. We can be audacious with God. And I think that's what we need to be getting back to when we're praying. And I think also, you know, whenever Jesus was ministering, and it often says about his heart
1: being moved with compassion, mm. uh, I felt that one of the the greatest motivations to prayer is compassion, mm. you know, because if we truly cared about one another, and t- really truly cared about our, our communities and so on, mm. that should be the motivation, in a sense, of going to the one that we know Mm. Uh, who has the answers, and, and and to go to him knowing, actually, that he he's a good God. Yes.
0: It's recognising as well that prayer begins with God. It's us responding to his will in heaven down here on earth. It may sound a little bit surprising, but uh, hear me through <laughs> on this one. I do not believe that there is any power in prayer. What I believe is the power is in God not in prayer, but as we pray, we lay the track for the locomotive of God's power to come along it. If I don't lay the track, then the locomotive can't come, and I have not, because I ask not, as God's word says. So I need to ask, and I need to ask in a specific way, and I need to ask for the big things from a big heavenly almighty father as well. But the power is in God, and all true prayer begins there. So I think there are times when we need to stop and say, well, in this situation, with this individual that I'm praying for, or for this problem that this person has what is it you want to do in this situation i think the first time i learned that lesson was when i was very early into christian ministry and i was praying for my family And I realized that I didn't actually believe that my older sister could become a Christian. I knew God could do it, but I didn't really believe that she would. She seemed to have everything. Her husband, they were happy family, no interest in church life. So I thought, well, what can I believe you for, Lord? And I realised I'd only got the faith to actually believe that the Lord would give me some link in the area where they were now living so we could get back in touch. I prayed for that, and I think it was about two or three weeks later, I had a telephone call would i take a mission for a couple of churches and it was just 10 minutes down the road from where my sister and brother-in-law and family were living that stretched my faith to now be able to say lord would you make a link between one of those churches and my sister so i can really introduce the gospel and i think it was two weeks later my sister telephoned me and said what a coincidence i've just started to do a job for a, a a local man and he's the secretary of a church you are going to be at cutting a long story short at the end of that mission i was able to specifically pray believing lord save her and the lord did and a few weeks later my brother-in-law So I think in these situations where we're talking about wanting to see what God is about, we start where we are and we pray within the context specifically where we are. And then we see the next stage and then the next stage after that.
1: And that actually very well brings us to your next piece of
0: music about knowing Jesus, knowing Mm -hmm. you, Jesus. Why this one, Derek? This one goes back uh, to when I was asked to do a mission in America or a Bible convention in America. And the theme was no Christ or no Christ. Christ. And it was just a play on words, N-O-K-N-O-W, know Christ or no Christ. And it was all built on Paul's words, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Gaining and knowing Christ was everything for Paul. And I want it to be everything constantly for me. There are times when I feel I'm paddling in a pool of religion rather than in the relationship of knowing him. But I really want to know him in that way and to press on to the mark of my high calling in Christ Jesus, as Paul said. Or again, as Paul said to the church in Ephesus, to grasp how wide, long, high and deep is Christ's love and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I think, well, can I contain the fullness of God? The answer is yes, just like a thimble can contain the fullness of the Atlantic. But there is a little bit left over. And I can be full of him in that way, in knowing him. Paul said God is able to do immeasurably more. And all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And actually, it's just making up words there to get across this experience of knowing God. It's like saying God is bigger, huge horrific, or God is fanosticalsome, or God is all great big, more big fully, or super beyond full or incredibly outrageable. <clears throat> it's just morphing words together to try and get across this sense of knowing him. Christianity is not just an experience, it's truth, but it's not less than experience as well. And I want to know him in that way. Jesus Christ didn't come so that we could do meetings in church, singing hymns, praying prayers, professing the creed. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And for about 25 years, I was teaching at a Bible school Two or three times a year in Sweden and I knew that their translation of that verse John ten ten, is that you might have life and more than you need that's real Christianity it's not love it's love that surpasses knowledge it's not joy it's joy unspeakable and full of glory it's not peace peace that transcends understanding it's not grace it's the much more of grace that's knowing him all I once held dear, built my
1: life upon, all this world
0: revered,
1: and wars to
0: own, all I was. You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop. Serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk.
1: And of course, Derek Stringer, my very special guest today. We've been talking about all sorts of things in terms of our faith. We haven't said too much, though, about when I mean we, we have said and you have said about how the Christian life is really about our response To him, Mm -hmm. uh, and and knowing knowing who God really is and who Jesus is and what that means for us, we haven't said too much about the Holy Spirit, but of course it's the Holy Spirit who's with us and in us. Mm. And uh, how, how would you best describe the importance of the Holy
0: Spirit to? To folk listening. It's interesting, isn't it, how that in Romans 8, Paul uses interchangeably Jesus Christ dwelling in us and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us because they are one God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus comes to live in us, in our human spirits, that's through the channel of the Holy Spirit within. I think one of the key things to me when we talk about the Holy Spirit is that we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Paul wrote to a whole church, and one of my desires is to see a whole church, not just some individuals, but everybody filled with the Spirit, just as the Apostle Paul wanted for the church at Ephesus. It's interesting to me as well that the expression being filled with the Spirit It comes 16 times in the New Testament. And there's a different Greek tense because eight of them refer to an ongoing context of Jesus constantly with us by the Spirit in whatever we do and wherever we go to do things through us. And the other eight occasions are crisis experiences of the Spirit of God at work within our lives. I think of it in terms of, say, Paul, after Pentecost was filled with the Spirit. But then a little bit later on, you read of him being filled with the Spirit again, and not because, as somebody once put it, he leaked. Not at all. It's a different tense there. He was continually filled, but just like somebody who's driving a car and then they get into an emergency situation and suddenly their hands on the steering wheel are no longer relaxed. They are taking control. There are times within our lives when we need the Spirit of God to do a similar thing for us taking control and influencing and possessing our lives. So it is commanded that we should, at least in that ongoing way, be filled with the Spirit. The issue of that will impact us in a marriage with our children. It'll impact us in our worship, in all sorts of lifestyle ways, which makes, when you think about it, Christian counseling for marriage quite different for two believers because you might use all the normal skills to help a couple who need help in their marriage to survive and that's appropriate and right but you can also refer to what the spirit of God will be about within that relationship as well it's an old illustration of the triangle God's at the top angle uh, the one spouse is at the other angle and the other spouse at the other angle, and if both spouses are aiming towards God, they're going to get closer to one another as well. And it's the work of the Spirit of God to actually achieve that. So I think when we talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's very practical because it's down to earth lifestyle, behavioral situations that it's rightly going to impact upon. Then the other thing that sticks for me is as well. There is nowhere in the Bible where it specifically tells us how to be filled with the Spirit. Now, we tend to, in our books, we might say A, B, C, and we outlined it in that way, but nothing in the Bible says that. But what you do find is they're making much of Jesus as Lord, and it's because they make much of Jesus as Lord, the outcome is they are filled with the Spirit of God because that's what the Spirit of God wants to do. So if I want to do what the Spirit of God wants to do, I am in business, and I will know what it is to have his control in an ongoing way in and through my life. It reminds me of that picture you gave
1: earlier on about you know your daughter and the, the present that you brought for your wife and mm. you saying it'd be too heavy for you to carry it and her saying to you... Uh, Daddy, I'll carry the parcel and mm. you carry me. But yes. is, I, I think that's also a very good picture in terms of the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, in our lives that, that, that you know, we doing our part, as it were, but actually underneath the everlasting arms, always there to mm. guide,
0: to direct mm.
1: uh, and to empower us,
0: of course. It's the key for everything, isn't it? As, the writer to the hebrew said of the lord you've got no reason to lack confidence no reason to be fearful because never will he leave you never will he forsake you well let's get another piece of music in and this next one uh, uh, Johnny Erickson sings it but I'll let you mm-hmm. introduce it my wife and I have planned our funerals and we've got that all organised and if there's going to be a hymn then we have chosen that we will have this hymn we want when peace like a river there is a story behind this which I won't go into all the details of of how this was put together and when peace like a river attended my way when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And Horatio Spafford, behind all of that, lost four daughters in that situation and uh, found that strength when he was viewing what was happening from a ship where the ship carrying his wife, Anna, and daughters went down. I wanted Johnny Erickson's version of this. I know, uh, Blair, you've struggled to find it, and I'm glad that you managed to, to I find this persevered version. and find it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know Johnny. I don't know her personally, but I knew her aunt. And her aunt used to tell me of the real struggles that she has had through life, far beyond any of the honesty that's come through in her many books and many giftings. But she is the epitome, said her aunt, of knowing that peace, whatever the outer pressure. God's sovereignty is our security. 90.1 Hope FM and hopefm.com.